and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's Hi, Chris. Chris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> wow. I would just thought I'd preempt you earlier. <laughs> just like jumping in because I know it's you. I can see you. Hi, Chris. I'm not even looking at you. Have you? Are we, should we come and try it again? I'm completely out. Put out. <laughs> Watch me out there. Sorry, dude. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> you can still do that thing if you want to, but oh, no, not twice. God, hang on. <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's you, Matt. Yes. Yeah, I'm working on my timing. How's it going? Do you think? I think you need to work a little bit harder on your timing there. No. Oh. You know, All right. We've been doing this podcast for nearly two years. You should know the cues for introducing yourself by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a slow learner, which is what everyone always says to me. I think that's what they're saying to me. It's hard. It's hard to work it out. <laughs> it's better than just being called slow, uh, isn't it, really, to be honest? It's the polite way, right? Oh, you're yeah, a slow. Yeah. You're just a slow learner. It's fine. You'll pick it up sooner <laughs> or later. <laughs> Um, I've got to say Happy New Year, because this is our first new podcast of the new year. 2020! Yeah. Well, it's, this is going to be an exciting year for us, I think. I can feel it in my bones. Yeah. Well, there's some doozy films out already on the old, yeah. uh, on Netflix. There's um, Hellboy, obviously, which we've mentioned many, many, many times. I think it was probably going to be our next film to review. Um, yeah. There's also that um, Hustle, is it Hustle? The Dirty yes, Rotten Scandals yes. remake. So. yeah, yeah. yeah. That looks horrendous as well. So um looking forward to those films. And we've got the DVDs as well. And we've got our DVD gifts. Yes, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into uh, Garbage Pail Kids. Oof. But you had a chat with one of our special guests. So I spoke to Hannah Woodhead, who's a writer for The Guardian, BBC, GQ, Vulture Magazine, um, associate editor at Little White Lies, um, basically everywhere she is omnipresent on the internet um and we spoke about the we had to give a bit of we gave a bit of rope here because yeah. uh, the film that hannah picked was um Step Brothers, which i think in most places is considered to be decent so yeah um i don't think it was, but it it was, was reviewed very well no that's the whole point i think i mean with these with our guests i think we do have to be a bit more lenient because a, we're running out of films, <laughs> and, and, and B, you know, it is down to, a lot of it's down to basically how well the audience receives it. Okay, a lot of films at yeah. the very beginning... When I guess released, kind of Hannah nailed the whole purpose of our podcast. Like, yeah. we've been doing it for two years and haven't managed to find the badly reviewed film, which is actually really good, and Hannah, on her first attempt, has gone, here it is, here's the yeah. film you've been looking for. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Here's the interview. Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's uh, me, Matt, and today I'm joined by our guest, Hannah Woodhead. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Good. You know, it's that weird kind of super busy before Christmas period. So I'm just tired and full of like very stodgy food. And <laughs> we have our Christmas party tomorrow, so there's going to be a lot of like drinking and on a thursday on a thursday and on election day so it's going to be a uh, (laughs) yeah uh, quite a day (laughs) quite an emotional day they they did choose to throw an election in the middle of christmas as well which was is is good fun good timing right (laughs) 
yeah yeah perfect timing just when we're all sort of limping towards the finish line of the year they throw that in the works as well yeah it's you know thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah appreciate it um so for our listeners can you um tell us a little bit about yourself Hannah? I can. So I am the associate editor at Little What Lies magazine and I've been there two years now and I am also a sort of jack of all trades freelance writer. I've written for uh, places like GQ, The Guardian, most recently Vulture and yeah I just love movies, love any excuse to talk about movies. Uh, You can hear me on hundreds of podcasts probably <laughs> uh, but but normally the uh, uh little while i was truth in movies podcast perfect uh so where did you sort of like where did your love of movies develop where did it all start from is there a, is there a sort of genesis um, point you can put your finger on there is so my family aren't really movie people at all they will kind of watch films if they uh, if there's an actor they like in it, but they're not really that into films. They don't go to the cinema very much. My mum, I think the last film my mum saw at the cinema was Monsters University. So it's, you know, it's been quite a while. And I think that was the only reason she saw that is because I really wanted to see it. So, yeah, I remember having this really vivid memory of being about, I must have only been about six or seven. And we went to see Chicken Run at the cinema at the Sheffield showroom. And I remember like sitting at the front, like in front of the first row, I was like, on the floor and I was just absolutely wrapped. I was, I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen, which <laughs> it probably, I mean, it probably was, you know, I was very small at the time. Um, and I was, you know, I laughed, I cried. I was very, very scared of um, Mrs. Tweedy. And for a while I refused to eat chicken. <laughs> and I think from that moment, it was kind of love at first sight. And ever since I've just, I've always loved watching movies, always loved going to the cinema. My mom and I used to have like a weekly ritual where we'd go and rent DVDs from the library. And it eventually developed into something I decided I wanted to make a living out of. And with a lot of determination, I have eventually got there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, not an easy trade to crack into, I imagine. No, no, very much so. I um, I guess I never, I, I had a subscription to Empire when I was growing up and I always thought, you know, this would be the absolute dream job. But you, you just kind of don't really think it will happen until it actually does happen. And even now, you know, I'll be doing things like I'll go to a film festival or I'll be on, you know, I'll get asked to come on the news and talk about films and it still feels very surreal and very precarious as well. I think there's always a kind of underlying sense of dread that one day the bubble will burst and none of us will be able to make a living out of it anymore. So you have to kind of just enjoy it whilst you can. Yeah, 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 it's definitely... <laughs> I think that's been a bit sort of a common and uh, sort of prevalence amongst the people we spoke to, especially the writers, uh, more than anything else. It's just this feeling that uh, it could go away at any point and kind of like, like knowing you're riding that lovely sort of wave right now of doing something you absolutely love. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I think there are very few people who uh, don't get to do what they love for a living. So we're lucky in that regard. And I always feel slightly... Um, I see a lot of kind of cynicism in the industry, a lot of like um, complacency. And I think it's always kind of important to check 
your own you know privilege because it really at the end of the day working in film is it's hard and it's not for everyone but I really do think it is not the worst job in the world <laughs> I think uh, you know it is uh, there are people out there doing far harder jobs so for me it's I love what I do and I take what I do very seriously but I think you have to have a little bit of perspective at the same time um, so we, we, I always ask this question, I guess. Um, so uh, recently, oh, I always put a year on it, but I, I don't. I won't tie you down to that. Um, what's the <laughs> film? What's the film that um, you were sort of most looking forward to that ended up kind of disappointing you? Um, I think it's probably Jojo Rabbit. So Very I was. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I, I love Taiko Titi, and I was fully kind of. A bit sceptical, but like generally thought if anyone is going to make this movie good, it will be him. And yeah. I saw it at Toronto Film Festival and I, I really, really hated it. Um, it just didn't land for me at all. And some people have absolutely loved that film and really, you know, they find it very like moving and very funny. But for me, I just thought it was one of the most kind of cringe inducing, self indulgent pieces of trash I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I say how it is, Hannah. Like, like well, you know, I mean, and I, I apologise to listeners because it doesn't come out for another month in the UK. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I won't say anything else about it. But I did not care for that film at all. Yeah. Well, I was looking forward to that, but now not. So <laughs> well, I say, you know, it's it really has divided critics because a lot of people did really like it. I'm one of the kind of dissenting voices, and I say I generally really like Taika Waititi stuff. Uh, what we yeah. do in the shadows is. I think one of the best films made uh, in the last decade, but you know, they can't all be winners, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I, whatever he, and he's making this, he's already sort of in production on his new film. And of course I'll go and watch that. But you know, I, I have to be honest about my opinion. I can't kind of <laughs> give him a pass. So, no. you know, I, yeah, it didn't work for me, unfortunately. Keep him honest. Um, okay, so uh, the reverse of that question, was there a particular film that you were like dreading and actually turned out to be surprisingly good or surprisingly not as shit as you thought it was going to be? So I've been in, um, I, under, I undertook, I, I, I pitched a piece to, an art, to a publication about Adam Sander where I would watch every single film he's been in and rank them accordingly. Wow. And I, I yeah, so that's, um, I excluded uncredited cameos and short films just because I needed like to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> um, but that is 48 or 49 films in total. I think 48. Um, so it's quite a lot of films, That's some of which lot. I had already seen, but a lot of very bad, you know, the, the kind of the ones that everyone says are truly awful. I hadn't yeah. seen. So <laughs> that was kind of, I will, I, I was approaching it with a lot of like, oh, oh God, what have I done? But then I watched Jack and Jill, which everyone had said to me is unequivocally the worst Adam Sander film. And I actually really liked it. So, um, <laughs> but how many Adam Sander films had you seen by this point? Had you just been beaten into submission? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I can't quite tell if I'd just seen so many by that point. I'd got a kind of weird Stockholm syndrome going on <laughs> or, or if like it genuinely I genuinely had a fun time with it I don't think it's at all his worst film and I, I now feel like the authority on that I, I think uh, he's having fun I think that Al Pacino is having so much fun in that film you could really trace the lineage from 
Jack and Jill to the Irishman, in my opinion. Like I, <laughs> I think it's you know he's doing, he's doing this kind of larger than life, like you know full full tilt, crazy Al Pacino performance, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. I think people were pretty harsh on that film. Yeah, well, we're one of those. It's one of the ones that we've actually done for our podcast. Oh, um, well, there we go. Someone so, else out there <laughs> appreciates so, it as much as I do. Yeah, yeah. The Jimmy Chang. I mean, ones. I think like. He has made so many like truly quite awful films, and that one is really apart from the the yeah the the uh, the, the Chewy Chang <laughs> um, scene. I don't really think it's that offensive. I I, I think uh, the worst, in my opinion, the worst like proper Adam Sander film is the Ridiculous Six, which I really did not yeah. like at all. I thought it was just totally just just pointless just so kind of puerile and nothing interesting or like warm about it and I think that even the rubbish Adam Sandler films I like because they feel kind of like there's a little sweetness to them and Ridiculous Six I didn't get any of that so <laughs> I think at least Jack and Jill is kind of you know it's about family and it's about loving your siblings even when they're really really annoying so I kind <laughs> of like that I, I think was a more a more like heartfelt message. So Did, yeah, um, I mean, I I, <laughs> I like it. I, I think more people should give it a go. <laughs> Did any of his dramatic films kind of um, feature highly? Because like Punch Drunk's Love is oh, quite yeah. a performance, right? I mean, I have a Punch Drunk Love tattoo, so I'm probably not the best person to go to. For, like, <laughs> yeah, you a, sound completely unbiased you know, on so, this, Matt. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, all his dramatic films rank apart. I think Spanglish is the one that I'm I ranked lowest, but that's not like really a diss it, it's still pretty high on the list though actually the worst one is um he made a film with jason reitman called men women and children which it's not really adam sandler's fault it's just like a very bad film it's just very cynical and very like hey we all need to get off the internet and communicate type of like you know <laughs> movie that no one asked him to make um but like his other dramatic films i think uh yeah punch drunk love the my stories uh this film rain over me which is really good and no one's no one's seen mm. um and even he has a little cameo in chris rock's film uh top five which is really really charming it's a great film it's that is genuinely a very good film not even just like good for sando it's just a very good film <laughs> so um i would yeah I, I think he people you know with the whole with the uncut gems coming out in uh well in this week in the united states in, in january in the uk um a lot of people are like oh my god adam sander like can act and it's like yes we know like we you know if you if you're a fan of his or like even like vaguely familiar with kind of his general body of work like this isn't really news it's, not it's news, just no. he's yeah he's made like quite a few dramatic films now not all of them work but the cobbler does not work very well um but there are like yeah i, I genuinely think like it's not it wasn't news to me that he was capable a decent of, uh, yeah of doing a, a great performance. And I do think he's he's remarkable in Uncut Gems, but it is like for me it's just kind of the icing on the cake. He's you know, he's made a lot of great films and this just is just another one that I really, really like. So yeah, I mean I, it was nice. I did I wasn't as pained by the experience of watching all those films as I thought I was going to be. I thought I was How gonna be totally take? um about three weeks. <laughs> 
So, so that's been pretty solid during that time then, because like you said, it's a, yeah, it's a, I was it's watching a, a couple every night because um, I watched uh, about I had about thirty that I hadn't seen, uh, or that I haven't seen in so long that I felt I needed to kind of go back and watch them again. Um, so I was watching, you know, a couple every night, but they're only most of his films are ninety minutes. It's always good. So than it's minutes. you know you can get two out in an evening and you've still done more work than watching the Irishman. So, you know, like (laughs) it's, and I love the Irishman, but it is, you know, you could, you could almost watch three Adam Sandler films in the time it takes to watch the Irishman. So (laughs) I, you know, I, I, not, not that that's like an indicator of the quality or anything, but um, it was actually, when you know that it's for a purpose as well, when you're not just kind of doing it for self-satisfaction, I was like, well, okay, well, I, I know when my deadline is to file the piece, so I've yeah, got yeah. to get them all watched. But I was, I was, rank, I was um, adding them to my letterbox and people started to notice and were like, Hannah, why is all you've watched for the past three weeks Adam Sandler films? And I was like, don't worry, like, it, is, it is for work. But at the same time, I think they were just like, she's, she's lost it completely. <laughs> Something inside her has broken. <laughs> I, I really wish I'd started up a new profile before doing this podcast because uh, I, I didn't. And I've got a horrible profile pollution of just like yeah. con- constant <laughs> recommendations of awful films because this is what we do. <laughs> so yeah, it's just like, I, I, I want Netflix to occasionally just go, listen, guy, just... Um, are you try- okay? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, do you need a call? Does someone need to give you a come and give you a hug? Because you're just watching... the the worst films um speaking of which uh we're moving on to your and to, to be honest i think we've given you a bit of latitude here because this is one of the higher rated uh sort of guilty pleasure bad films that we've had in the podcast <laughs> um and the film that you've chosen is Step Brothers. everybody sleeping arrangements Brennan you're gonna be sharing a room with Dale just until the two of you get jobs and you move out hey are you awake yeah I hate your guts as soon as your eyes shut I'm gonna punch you square in the face this is the one rule of the house don't ever touch my drum set don't touch it all right do you touch my drum set yep why are you so sweaty I was watching cops. I think they're starting to like each other. What are you doing? I'm burying you. I'm alive, man. I'm alive. You're waking the neighbors. Shut up. Okay, name your favorite dinosaur. Velociraptor. All right. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. have one month to find jobs you're out in your asses. What? I will arrange interviews and you will go. Who is this gentleman sitting behind you? Hello, Miss Lady. You can't. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. You shouldn't tell the person who is interviewing you to shut their mouth. You're sounding Andrew, stupid five. now. I'm sorry? What did you're you just say? You're just coming off stupid. Please leave this office. Do we get any sort of souvenir? Get out of my office! Well, if it isn't Dale Dobick and his little buddy. Just leave me alone, will you? Shut up! You should treat me, an adult, with some respect. Oh! 
So maybe you don't go down that way anymore. That's what we talked about. We're going to take the long way home. Can we turn our beds into bunk beds? You'll give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. You're adults. You can do what you want. This is the funnest night ever. <laughs> hey, I never asked you. Yeah. You like guacamole? Which, yeah, um, I had a quick look at the rating of it, and, and currently it's like six and a bit. But when it first came out, it was actually much lower rated. I think it's one like a lot of Will Ferrell things, I think, that has kind of grown into the sort of people's affections over time. See, I was actually surprised because it's it's a fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I thought it would be higher than that because everyone I know loves Step Brothers. Yeah, but I don't know if that's just because it's like uh, most of the people I know are film people and. I think there's a kind of, like you say, there's a general reappreciation of Will Ferrell's bro comedies that I think has gone on since they were made. But yeah, I was very surprised. I, I genuinely couldn't kind of uh, uh, reconcile that with my opinions of the film. I just, I was like, can you, I, who on earth was giving this like that? <laughs> and then like, I, I went through the rotten reviews and I was like, okay, okay, well, these people are now all on my like, Hit list. I'm never trusting their <laughs> opinions about anything ever again. <laughs> so what um what drew drew you to picking this film for us then? Well, I think it's just always one that I, I like to watch again. And for me, like if it if I'm gonna talk about a bad movie, it's gotta be one that I've seen enough times that I feel like kind of comfortable defending it. And it's not one that I'll go back to and be like, oh wait a second, actually no, I was wrong. Whereas Step Brothers, <laughs> I think I it's very unlikely that my opinion will ever change of this movie. I really do think it is um it's one that I can just put on no matter how I feel and it like will improve my mood. If I'm angry, I can put Step Brothers on. If I'm sad, I can put Step Brothers on. If I'm in a good mood, I can put Step Brothers on. You know, it's just like, it is to me like a perfect film. I always think it's a good um, rate of a film to say, like if you're flicking through the channel, how far would the film have to be through before you did, you would, you'd go, oh, actually, I'm not going to bother with that because that's, you know, that's 20 Yeah, I think Step Brothers is like, you would just, no matter what point in the film, you'd be like, oh, why not? Just you for know? the singing, right, at the end. That's like, as long as just, you can catch that bit. that scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I and mean, I don't think there's any um, point, like any weak point in the film. I think it is, even though it's, you know, it's a very um, predictable format, I think there's so much going on in the film that it yeah. is, there's always something that kind of draws your attention. You're always like waiting for the next, like, joke or the next like just insane like the the, the bit i'm thinking of is uh, at the moment is when um uh brennan is burying dale alive like, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Garden. like just so much kind of surreal weird humor which i don't think we see enough of in comedies nowadays i think mainstream comedy has kind of become a bit um i don't know just uh, that doesn't see, feel like there's as much around now as though yeah used to be. this is when he's crying that he's the, still uh, alive and he's showing him yeah. just stop because <laughs> yeah. he's annoying he's like, the neighbors he's like be quiet <laughs> like the neighbors yeah <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, the only thing i can really compare the films like um step brothers and to a lesser extent things like blades of glory which i don't think is as good as step brothers but it's still like, no i mean adam um, mckay had a bit of a run with uh will ferrell and films and doing quite well right so 
He did yeah, yeah. Talligator Nights, would... which is I love Talligator Nights. I I really like Talligator Nights as well. Yeah, this was before he decided that he was going to go and make serious films. Of course, like yeah. he'd done all these these bro comedies with um, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and uh, then it was like, okay, now I'm a serious director. And he went and made The Big Short and got nominated for all these awards. And then which was great to be fair. Last year, I liked The Big Short, but. I kind of was hoping that he, after that he would make another like good comedy and he didn't. Advice. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I felt a bit kind of like, oh, it's sad. Because the last comedy he that he straight up comedy he he directed was Anchorman Two, which yeah. I don't think is a very good film. Um, whereas he from Anchorman in two thousand and four through to the other guys in two thousand and ten, pretty much all the films he made were like pretty fun the other, so, the other guys you know. is like um is an underrated film right I, I it is because it, it's it's really quite hard hitting and punchy and i think it probably obviously leads directly into the big short weirdly enough oh yeah yeah there's a definite through line i think as well with um the other guys it was one that i didn't really get maybe on the first like watch no. and then i rewatched it like, oh actually this is this is very good i enjoy this a lot well, i think, I think it, it has to be rewatched, doesn't it because you watch it once and you're like oh it's just a will ferrell film uh, yeah being dumb and then you have like the end credit sequence of all of the sort of like stats about how shit bankers yeah. are and then you go oh yeah. oh hold on <laughs> it's actually pretty smart <laughs> yeah 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 but it's funny because I think that is his best like rated film like, in terms of like Rotten Tomatoes, you know, for however much that factors into actual <laughs> actual reality. Well, next to The Big Short, obviously, which I think is probably higher. But of his comedies, I think um, The Other Guys is the one that was like best received and Step Brothers was the one, well... I'm thinking about Anchorman 2, which I'm uh, refusing to admit the existence of. Yeah. Okay, so I've just just Googled it. Anchorman 2 got really good reviews as well. Really? 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whereas... And Step Brothers only got 55. Sitting there on 55. Doesn't make any sense. Does not make any sense. Does not compute. Uh, So, yeah. I don't understand that. I don't know who who those people are that are making those calls. (laughs) I mean, with Step Brothers, it's got like a relatively small cast it's not huge but like it's it's good do you know what I mean it's like I mean obviously Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. I mean John C. Riley is just amazing um they're Mary Steenberger the way that they I remember yeah I mean Mary Steenberger as well I think it's like I, I love her anyway I think she's again like really underrated and and of course like I mean we've not even got onto it yet but um the uh, the Adam Scott performance in this film. Yeah. <laughs> like, if people are fans of The Good Place, it's like, well, you want to go and watch Step Brothers because that's where evil Adam, Adam Scott started. <laughs> that's like. that's where you can find evil, evil Adam in his natural environment, just prowling yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. There's a definite through line from Derek through to um, him on The Good Place, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I, don't, I think it's worth mentioning as well um, and, and getting your opinion on... Um, because I was very excited at the announcement of Holmes and Watson because of Step Brothers. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and um, um, again, it's one we've had to throw into the podcast because it's just, it was just so horribly disappointing. I don't really know what happened either because you would think, you know, kind of Will Ferrell and John C. Rowe back at it again. And yeah. no was the, uh, was the <laughs> resounding verdict on that. Just like... 
a real swing and a miss. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I am not totally surprised because it's from the guy who made Get, Get Hard, which yeah. is also a, a very bad film. Um, but yeah, I mean, for so long now, we've been waiting for Step Brothers 2. And everyone's been like, you know, come on, it's been however many years, like it's time. And then that's what we get in <laughs> in in, in uh, exchange is this really like pretty awful slapstick Holmes and Watson that no one asked for or yeah. wanted. It's it's almost like you said with the, the with the sort of digging scene where he's burying. Him. It was kind of like a, a brave comedy moment. Whereas it seems that. I was watching Holmes Watson going. It's almost, it's almost there, but just, just missing, just repeatedly, it, scene after scene. And it's such a great cast as well. You do kind of, yeah. you're like how, how, how did they manage? Like even beyond Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, you know, you've got Rebecca Hall, you've got Ray Fiennes, you've got Steve Coogan and Hugh yeah. Laurie, and it's like, what, what? How did you manage to get this so badly wrong? Like I just don't. It doesn't entirely uh, make sense to me because the no. guy, a guy like Ethan Cohen, Ethan, I'm <laughs> emphasising down the mic. Yes. I'm like, not Ethan. It wasn't Ethan um, because you know, as Bill Murray <laughs> will attest, we've all been there. Um, but Ethan <laughs> um, Cohen, he has actually like as a writer, like he's done some not bad films. He wrote he wrote the script for Tropic Thunder with. Um, Ben yep. Stone and Justin Theroux. Now it makes you wonder, kind of, how much he was writing, because um, I mean, I won't defend Get Hard or Holmes and Watson, but even Men in Black Three, he wrote the script for that, which I I thought was a, actually a, one of the better um, sequels that's kicking around. Certainly, a lot better than Men in Black International. Yeah. So it just was, yeah, like it just such a crushing disappointment that we finally got these two comedy idols back together and they have such great chemistry together and this is what they come back with this is what they choose to work on together maybe when they wrote yeah. tropic thunder they just used eaton as a sort of sounding board so also said to, yeah said to joke he, he like laughed the, it went i was like no sorry, like, like, <laughs> no just cut it ian thinks it's funny, <laughs> it's funny. Um, move on <laughs> i mean it plays my mind like it blows my mind that Justin Theroux wrote that movie as well. I'm like, what was his role? Like, maybe it was just Ben Stiller, and he was just like, oh, yeah, they're my buddies. I'll put them on the script as well. It's very like, <laughs> very strange to me. I always think about that a lot. I'm like, that writer's room must have been wild. <laughs> just, <laughs> very strange energy. And that movie as well, I, haven't, I daren't watch that because I just know that it is going to have aged very, very badly. <laughs> At the time, you know, when you're like, However old I was when that came out, I must have been about, God, I think it was 2008. So I would have been around 16. Right. And you can kind of like, that's the kind of thing you find funny when you're 16. But then there's like a, a grown woman. I'm like, yeah, it really wasn't okay that Robert Downey Jr. was doing blackface. And we all just like let that happen. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, and it, I, mean, I don't and think it was okay at the time, right? <laughs> it's like it wasn't. <laughs> We're not talking trading places here. We're not talking like the eighties. It's like no, no, no. Exactly, exactly. It was like it's like two thousand and eight or whatever. It's like why did why what what <laughs> why why wasn't there a bigger fuss made? I remember there been like a few kind of like 
hey yeah. what <laughs> but I, I always just thought I was no, missing something and it was just like so so massively self-aware that it was like it, it was back well again. that was the whole joke <laughs> in the film wasn't it it was like yeah. it's the other character who's saying like this isn't cool but you're like but the but it just goes on for so long the bit in the film you're like I what but like but luckily for us I think Step Brothers has um less kind of prob- problematic uh humor to it I think it's it's pretty it's pretty juvenile but at least oh, yeah. it's not really offensive I think it's um it doesn't punch down I think in the same way that I think a lot of comedy from that period and before that period did I think it's very um Will Ferrell and uh, John C. Riley are kind of always the butt of the jokes. Yeah, like I think whole, this is you know really important. I think it's one of the sort of differences we did when we sort of pointed out uh, Holmes and Watson. Is Holmes and Watson is just kind of mean spirited to everybody around them, whereas yeah. in Step Brothers, the only people like you know, I mean, people are sort of victims of their carnage around them, but they're not the actual joke. <laughs> the, the joke is always them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I um, I think the whole thing is just kind of a a riff on you know men who refuse to grow up and uh this kind of like impotent male rage that <laughs> both of them have in the film you know this like i mean it's even in the beginning one of my favorite lines in the movie which i quote all the time is uh, at the wedding and um mary steen Morgan's like saying like oh my son was just fired from pet smart and he's like he stands up he's like um, I wasn't fired. They uh, there was there was corporate restructuring or something, <laughs> <laughs> and and then he goes, "I told you I didn't want salmon. I said it like three times," <laughs> and, and that line always gets me. And it's because it's just so like indicative of that kind of very specific, like white, upper class, never had to do a day's work in their life, like men who yeah. This is obviously taken, you know, to the absolute extreme, but it's, (laughs) it just, it feels very like, I know people like this, not quite as bad as this, but you can kind of like see like the DNA and you're like, oh God. It's it's, it's definitely all based on sort of like, yeah, is is white privileged rage, right? Because it's like the only thing that's funny about two grown men living with their parents is that they feel like everyone around you feels that they should have moved on and done something. Whereas anyone else is just, that's that's fine, right? their their attitudes to it like it's so normalized that they just don't see like anything kind of weird about it and even their parents who know it's weird are kind of like coddling them and they're like oh well you know it's just they've had some hard times <laughs> and you're just like oh god <laughs> there are, there, people like this really exist out there in the world and i don't think that watching Step Brothers would make them think any differently about their lives no, no. but i do i do think at least it's some comfort that <laughs> that we get this movie and we get to kind of like laugh at that so if you can't you know it's like they say if you can't laugh at it you'd cry <laughs> I still, to this day, I mean, it's a 2008 film, where 11 years later, I can't clear a space without then mentioning how much room we have now for activities. Oh my God, yes. It's just impossible yes. for me. It's just the, literally the like day, I'm at work or just tidying the house. Look at all the, the space we have for I activities. Was, um, I was rearranging my furniture in my bedroom and I pushed the sofa <laughs> like over to the wall and I was like, 
oh my god and I told my friend like I rearranged I was said to her I rearranged my bedroom and now there's um like a huge space and she was immediately immediately she was like there's so much room for activities so I was like yes yes like you got it I feel like it is that like if you grew up uh, if you were of a certain age like that is like such a key reference yeah and it's like you know, uh, my, my parents' generation had, like, uh, surely you can't be seri- serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, there's so much room for activities, which is not quite as nuanced, I guess, but it is. it just cracks me up every single time. And I can't listen to Sweet Child of Mine without, like, hearing Adam Scott singing, my name is Daryl and I can sing really high, like, just every single time, like, it gets me. And I think, as well, like, Catherine Han is so good in this movie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, like, a, a smorgasbord of really talented actors who I think with the exception of Will Ferrell are mainly known for their serious work. I mean, we've got like Richard Jenkins in here as well. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really nice to just see everyone kind of cutting loose so massively in this film and just going full kind of weird about it. That's very good. And the, the, um, the one thing I always appreciate the film is that um, unlike a lot of American comedies, it doesn't have, that really slow final third where everyone like goes, Hey, <laughs> I found redemption and now I'm not a dick anymore. Um, this yeah, one, Oh yeah. Like you have a tiny bit, but even then, you know, it's just pacing. It's just, it's just like, Oh, <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't have to stay normal. Will you can break out of this. And um, yeah. And I think and it's quite nice- an emotional scene, right? With the Tyrannosaurus Rex speech at the end. Yeah, the nice thing about that ending is that I don't think it pretends that everything is kind of going to be like totally different. It is just like they're still, you know, there's this wonderful bit right at the end with the um the treehouse and the Chewbacca masks. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, they're still like, you know, very immature. Is that, is that the, <laughs> mine's not movie quality, but that's okay. <laughs> again like incredible just incredible like just little details like that really get me about the film i wrote this essay for little white lies we did a whole issue about um roma and one of the things we did for this was like a series on rooms in films and i said to my boss david oh wouldn't it be funny if someone did one on stepbrothers about the bedroom um and i ended up <laughs> he was like yeah that would be funny like could you write that please so i ended up <laughs> writing this whole essay about their bedroom because again like i think oftentimes something that people don't really think as much about when they're watching a a, a mid-budget studio comedy is the amount of like craft that goes into these films and certainly with um with Step Brothers in the production design and the costume design there's so much kind of attention to detail and yeah. like uh, that that's another thing that I really it really feels like a film that's been made with a lot of love and care and even like the score is done by John Bryan which I find incredible <laughs> like you've got this like one of the best working directors today the guy that did the scores for Ten of Sunshine and the Spotless Mind and Punch Drunk Love and here he is like yeah lols just doing the score for, for Step Brothers. <laughs> I think the fact they were able to get so many talented people to like work on this film and this was at the stage when Adam McKay had only made about like three films so I think it really like speaks to how much everyone else must have believed in this project as well. Yeah I mean they were pretty good films he'd made. That's another thing that I really liked about it like I've had these arguments I've, I've done this stupid stuff with my siblings these like really these squabbles you have i think that 
the kind of chaotic energy <laughs> that, that Will Ferrell and John C. Riley have together really is like it is like watching two children. It's not like two men acting like kids. It's just like watching two overgrown, hairy children just like tearing into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's good. Um, it's definitely <laughs> not going in the bunker. We're, we're, this oh. has to remain free and out in the world. I mean, the, the, you know, our guests always get a buy. Their films never go in the bunker anyway. But the, even if we'd done this one on the separate sides, like this, there's no chance. It's just no chance. <laughs> um, I've got a couple of facts, actually. I've, I've pulled off of IMD a bit of trivia. I don't know if you know these bins. But um, uh, the fake testicles that Will Ferrell used <laughs> um, in the scene where he's <laughs> dropping on the drum, they cost $20,000, apparently. I did not know that. I do know that he took them home with him. Yeah, so at the end, they, they, got like a, they, they wrapped them up for him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what, what did he... Wait, what, where are they now? Like, what, has he just got them on display in his house or something? Yeah. Like, how does that work? <laughs> like, like, where would around, you put them? You know? It's like it's like, like one of those gifts you get, like a you know, secret Santa, and you're like, especially at the beginning <laughs> of an evening, and this is like, oh, crap, I've got to carry this around all night I've got now. to carry this around all night, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and you know, if you're a guy, it's like, you can't even really throw it in your handbag. It's like, oh, I'll just put it in my... <laughs> Put it in my pocket with my house keys, I guess. Like, yeah. Which, like... which, which pocket? <laughs> um, the Catalina wine mixer was uh, yes. not an event, but now is an event because of this yeah, film. every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Vice or someone that did like a photo story on it, and it's like it looks like the most joyous occasion. Everyone just you know fucking Catalina line mixer it sounds great <laughs> like i'd love to go to that i i very much would not make the trip to um catalina just just for that but um i i think as well like that that speaks to the cult around this film the fact that there's a whole annual event that's developed out of it yeah because it wasn't actually filmed because apparently adam mckay went to the island and was like i hate i hate this island <laughs> and then just like filmed it on the coast but he left some shots that are filmed on the coast where you actually can see catalina island in the distance as like a <laughs> as like a little callback but yeah it was like it apparently wasn't picturesque enough um but yeah but the actual wine the new wine mixer is is is, is on the island itself oh good catalina getting some tourism out of it as well that's nice yeah yeah right <laughs> Cool. Hardcore any, stepbrothers fans. <laughs> any final thoughts on stepbrothers before we wrap this up? Um, I, you I can say one thing to someone. Someone had never seen this before, but they'd read the reviews. It was five point five or fifty-five percent. What would I be think, your I one selling I, point? I mean, it, it would just be there's a scene uh, involving the song "Sweet Child of Mine," which will change the way you hear that song for the rest of your life <laughs> i feel like if that doesn't sell it for people i can't help them like you know if you don't want to find out what that entails then you, yeah. you will really be on helping i'm sold i'm picking that up on youtube later i'm just straight finding <laughs> that song cool thank you for your time hannah um where can we find you online for our listeners uh, you can find me on the All White Lies website with all my reviews and things. And you can find me on Twitter at GoodJobLiz. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. What a nice chat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then it's, it's clear that it's not just me that every time I clear an area goes... Look at all this space for activities. I'm glad. It's nice to have those sort of cathartic talks with people where you realise you're not the only person that does that. Yeah. And Step Brothers is something that I will always probably, if it's on in the background, it'll 
I'll stick with it and watch it till the end because it's got so many excellent bits in it, you know? Yeah, it doesn't tail off. It's not perfect by any means, but it's got so many good bits. And I mean, that is John C. Riley and Will Farrell at their very best, I think, to together. Yeah. Like when I'm uh, Holmes and Watson. Watson. Yeah, one of my um, other sort of kind of favorite films is Forty Year Old Virgin. I I do like watching that film, but it is one where if you get to it at a certain point, you just don't go. That's no point. All the best bits are gone. Whereas this film doesn't really have that. And and it's the first of our new features. New oh. Need a jingle, need a yes. jingle, <laughs> new feature jingle goes so, here, new feature jingle, 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 it's the new feature jingle. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so all it needs is a bit of drum and bass behind that and then we're ready to go. Yeah, a bit of auto maybe for that last C note. No, no, perfect. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so our new... Our new feature. So we've done top fives, uh, and then we've done our um, pitch, the pitches. The pitches. Uh, I hope, I hope, I'm glad everybody downloaded the uh, pitch specials that I released over Christmas and New Year, <laughs> just to get everything <laughs> out of the way. Um, but this, this is our new feature, which is what happens next. And the premise behind this feature is that basically, it's not like a your idea for a sequel to a movie. We want no. to know. We want to test each other in terms of what physically happens next in the scenes that after a movie has finished does that make sense Matthew I think it makes perfect sense <laughs> um it doesn't to me but yeah well we should know because this is our feature and, uh, <laughs> yeah. so you're going first as, I am going uh, first in, in yes. tradition tradition to this feature thing so tell me what film you've chosen okay so um the, the film I've chosen is when I watched over Christmas in the cinema Ooh. Ooh. Um, it is the, the latest uh, Star Wars um, Twitter bait fest <laughs> uh, Rise oh, of the Skywalker Can we put the trailer in? Should we put a trailer in now? Yeah, go on Go on Here's the trailer <laughs> It's an instinct together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny 
So um, needless to say, um, normally we're dealing with films that are over a year old and probably aren't, you know, on a huge number of people's hit list and stuff. There is a there, there is a good chance that you haven't watched the film um, and are listening to this podcast. Um, if you're in that very specific Venn diagram, I would, if you're in the middle section, if you're on either side, fine. Um, but I would maybe not listen any further because obviously because we're talking about the very very end of the film here be spoilers um but yeah if you're if you're interested in watching it fresh then maybe this is not the right uh, what happens next for you <laughs> <laughs> but um just i'll be interested to know what you thought of it did you think it was a good film um <clears throat> i got swept up in cinema world with this so yeah. um i like it it was visually very appealing it was um well acted which is what it always has i mean the the new sequels have this over all of the prequels is that there is fine acting in there well, adam driver and daisy ridley are are good they're good no, i think the, the difference is matthew in these sequels as opposed to prequels is that the actors are directed and you enjoyed it ultimately though but it, uh, yeah i mean initially i, I enjoyed I, it it's one of those ones that where you start thinking about it you realize there are huge gaping plot holes yeah. i don't know but, if that's... but do you like me my, I'm, i've got a little bit of fatigue with star wars yeah no, i think i think i think to be honest with you it's it's just twitter is basically and reddit or anything else is the internet has basically spoiled film so the scene right and yeah. i believe this is the end scene because I, I can't check because you know it's in the We've cinema. We've only seen it once. So um, the end scene is um, Ray's gone back to Luke's. Um, uh, what would you call it? Not ancestral. Homestead. Yeah, it's homestead where he was born and raised. Um, not born, raised. Um, where he was tattooing. Um, uh, where he was raised as a boy, and then she goes to his house, and you see, you know, again, like you say, nostalgia. Your heart pangs. She looks down and sees the. The, the place where you used to live is kind of disheveled now, a bit sandy and stuff. She buries the lightsabers. Um, and then out of nowhere, uh, a little old lady appears and goes, who are you? And um, she goes, oh, I'm, I'm Ray. Um, and then she's like, no, what's your full fucking name? <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of belligerent census fucking taker, um, which is, is weird, surely. <laughs> you wouldn't do this. If someone introduced himself, you wouldn't go, it's not good enough. I want all of the names. Um, but she, she stares off into the distance. She sees the little force ghosts of Luke and Leia. And she goes, Ray Skywalker. And that's the, the, the end of the film, right? As far as I remember it. Yes, true. Yeah. There's a lovely, uh, lovely sort of vista of her with the two suns or moons, whatever they are, and yeah, it's a lovely little ending scene. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yes. that that so that happens, then it goes duh, 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 and it cuts right. So, but it in the in the feature as we have it now, the what happens next is the the, the bit that we're going to now speak about. So this didn't happen in the film, just in case. I just want to make that clear delineation <laughs> for anyone that hasn't seen that right now. Um, and also, she didn't. She, she, the crone wasn't quite so sweary, maybe. In the original one, <laughs> I'm not quite so sure. Well, you, Matt, Matt, they're going to recently an extended edition to try and make some more money, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never know. Okay, right, yeah. So, um, in, in the extended version, then um, the crone then responds to Ray, going, "I thought all the fucking Skywalkers were dead," <laughs> and then Ray's like, "Oh, well, I'm not 
actually she's like no you're just pretending to be a skywalker and then she starts ringing an alarm phoning people and they're like well you know, obviously having the crone on one end of the conversation no i don't know who she is she's pretending to be a skywalker but they're all fucking dead she looks like a palpatine to me and then um people turn up um ray gets arrested um but then because Tatooine's kind of you know like a backward country she gets like incarcerated for 40 years and then um yeah so like a little prison story thereafter so it's basically then it's it's like alcatraz when she's trying to escape like yeah great escape or something so she, 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 but wouldn't she be able to get like do forced stuff on them if they came for her well it, apparently um the force we thought as a you know, back in the day, simple push me, pull you kind of thing. Um, turns out it's like the Swiss Army knives of powers in yeah. that um, it basically does whatever the plot needs. <laughs> so, um, you know, if she became the prison um, washer, I would imagine the force powers would suddenly be able to remove tough stains from um, prison garments. Um, if she was made into the kitchen, it would suddenly be able to produce a perfect um, jus. So I would imagine. Like, so the force is like silly bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apart bang from and the dirt is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got like the like we, we were introduced to like the force jump. Uh, we yeah. were introduced to like the force bonding, uh, force healing. Um, yeah. This is now the force cleaning. She gets she finds force cleaning and she becomes happy with her lot in life because you know she's no longer no longer. But always she's just. Um, then referred to in prison by her prison name as not Skywalker, uh, <laughs> which is yeah, what it fundamentally boils down to. <laughs> well, there's definitely this definitely isn't a sequel. I mean, how would that 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 last scene then? If we're do, saying did scenes directly after, yeah, the but they're just the in the desert. She's just in the desert. One of them's having a phone call, and then it, it just takes ten minutes. The police are quite quick there. Do what? What are they like? Empire police? No, they wouldn't be because the empire's down. So, what kind of police would they be? Tattooy police. Tattooy police. police. <laughs> I just got these visions of two Jawas uh, with with, um, with, uh, with with police sirens on their heads. <laughs> Being followed by a camera crew because they're in body cam squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I I, I think it's a very in, uh, it's very um, different. Uh, is the first word that comes to my mind. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, ultimately, I can believe it because she's she's, she's imposting. It's kind of like, and and the, the old woman is clearly yeah. a twat because we've we, we've already established that with her demand for a last name. She's like she's not normal in any shape or form. Is she no. normal? Yeah, where did she? Where did and she the Skywalkers from? are famous, right? So they'd be yeah. they'd be known. They go, oh, yeah. Skywalks used to live here. She probably, um, that the house is probably some sort of like, she's probably there to put the blue plaque up, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, for, for the tourist information. She's probably from the tourist information board. So she knows all about the fucking Skywalkers. She knows well, this isn't one. There's none left. This much is clear. There was Ben. He's dead. Luke and Lair, dead. Which you could say, to be honest with you, then you owe me fucking thousands of credits of rent, you bastard. <laughs> Well, actually, uh, my name's Ray Palpatine. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck, don't, don't shoot electric out your fingers. 
I could, yeah, I could throw he... you down a well and we could blow the well up, but I know it won't do any fucking good. Thing, isn't it? I mean, he's dead, but is he dead? Because if he can survive that, then what, you know, what... What, what, what can't you survive? survive? Literally survived a huge fall on an electrical thing, which mm-hmm. then explodes in the middle of space. It's I mean, there is, you just don't have to die anymore. That's well, what I they could, told us. Well, I mean, all I could see is that his fingers took a bit of a battering and he's got white yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as things go, I mean, from... I've had, you know, worse looking scars from a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm well, still carrying a scar on my foot from Christmas Day because I splashed gravy on it and it burnt me through my sock. What were you doing? Splashing gravy? Oh, I suppose you were cooking and being haphazard. Were you pissed? <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, you know, like that scene in Zoolander. We just shouted, gravy fight! <laughs> and then everyone started chucking <laughs> boiling hot gravy everywhere and it. Uh, unluckily yeah, landed on my foot. So <laughs> Jackson family Christmas tradition. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, there's no, what happened it, next. It, it's a, it was a very good pitch. Uh, not pitch, sorry. Oh, no, whoa. <laughs> no. um, whoa. It was, very, it was a very good what happens next. So and I've got to chat. You've got to, well, you haven't got to challenge me. I've got to think of something really good. You've got to think of something. You've got, you got to find a film. Find a so, film. So I will. And next Next episode, we've got Hellboy, uh, the remake, and then following that, we've got to have another another interview special. But in the meantime, yeah. in the meantime, if you like uh, what you hear and you hear what you like, uh, just pop on to uh, social media, give us a follow on there, and, and and join in the chat about movies. But thanks for following and all that jazz. Yeah, Merry Twenty Twenty. We said that at the same time. We have uh, the same thoughts. We're connected like the Force. Yes, yeah, because we've been Force connected, which means hey, th- sure. does that mean I show you see you topless a lot now? Yeah, well, I've got my high-waisted trousers on. Shall Oof. I, shall I um, just I force past you this pork pie? Oh, yeah, I wish you could. Well, no, I haven't got a pork pie. Uh, let me think what's close to me. Uh, I've got an old hairbrush. Would you like that? Uh, it's not top of my list of things that I'd need. <laughs> okay, I'll send you this, bit, this cream. Well, I know, what you, I know what you could send me. What? A decent ending to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks then. Cheerio. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>